The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Christ is risen. Imagine the joy. I mean the trembling, surging, quaking joy coursing through the body and soul of Mary Magdalene. The instant that Jesus with his almighty little finger pushed aside the huge boulder of unbelief to the truth, alive and well right before her. He is risen. Mary. Rabboni. Teacher. The joy in the instant of once again realizing you are in the presence of your God and you are as close to Him as close can be and your eyes see and your ears hear and your hands touch as she clasps His calves and ankles. Brothers and sisters of the risen Lord Jesus, that joy, it is yours. And it is mine. I want you to think about this. The unbroken circle of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, was smashed open, cracked open like an egg, when on Good Friday, the sin of the whole world with its awful indescribable and natural power to separate was laid on the body and soul, the holy body and soul of God's one and only Son. And the separation happened. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is your joy. God broke the circle of himself to let you in. And you're in. You are in Like Flynn, because the message has come to you, he died for you. He is risen for you. And by hearing that very message, the Lord Jesus, with his almighty little finger, has moved aside that boulder, that tombstone, encasing you, imprisoning you in a deadness of unbelief so that you have seen the truth, and you know the truth, and you hear the truth, and by faith in him you can even touch. He is risen Indeed, and you're in the circle of Christ. Trembling joy. Mm. You know what? I want you to grab your seats right now for what I'm about to say, because you may not believe this, but here goes. Ready? That is not the best God has for you. That is not all the joy he has in mind for you. Oh, that that joy is utter, that joy is staggering, that joy is unbelievable, but it is not complete. You know what that joy is like? That is the joy of Adam, 
the moment that, that the Holy Spirit had pinched his nostrils and breathed into him the breath of a holy, eternal life, and he woke up and he saw God face to face, oh, it was so indescribably good for the man to be one with his God, but it was not good for the man to be alone. The complete joy of this Christian man and these Christian people is this. When I have you with me in that circle, and you have me, and we have each other, and we are one big, huge, magnificent, happy, loving family, that is complete joy. And that, my dear people, is exactly the theme, the glorious theme that the Apostle John presents to us in this letter of 1 John. Now I'm going to tell you something that I know won't surprise you. In fact, it's already happened this Easter season. This joy is like this magnificent, huge, glorious, like glass bubble. And if there is one thing that, that the evil one, the foe, Satan, wants to do is to, is to snatch that complete joy out of our hands and smash it to smithereens into a million pieces that can never be put together. If it, that's his dream and that's his hope. And, and you guys know this, that if the devil is good at anything, he is good at taking some of God's most beautiful blessings and ruining them and smearing them and smashing them. Is that not so? But Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And among the many things that that means, it means this. He is the Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of peace and then some, because shalom means wholeness, it means completeness, it means big, round, beautiful, it's wonderful, it is everything the way it was always meant to be, and it was in the Garden of Eden before the fall into sin, what I'm trying to tell you people of God is this, Satan may be good at smashing our, our, our complete joy, but we have one who is more powerful than that foe, who is risen indeed, who is better at mending and healing and putting together and making more new and more complete and more whole than anything. That's why for the next seven weeks, seven weeks, we are going to pour our hearts and we are going to let the Holy Spirit pour himself into us through this letter of 1 John. And we are going to make, let the Holy Spirit come and the risen Lord come to us and make us whole, and make us new, and better than ever, and have a much more complete joy. Let that bubble grow. Are you ready for that? Open up your worship folders. We can only cover four verses today. This is, this is so big of a text. No way can we even begin to touch this in a, in a decent amount of time. So 1 John chapter 4, here we go. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was from the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Here's the reason. So that you also may have fellowship, oneness, family, tie with us, and our fellowship is with the Father in that circle of the Trinity and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. 
Thunder Boy. That is the nickname, well-deserved one, that the Apostle John earned from, if tradition holds true, and Salome was the, the sister of the Virgin Mary from his first cousin, Jesus. We often think that Peter was the bold one, the impetuous one, the one who just was like, he had the chutzpah, right? John and James, his brother, they were not far behind. They also had some very strong personalities. In fact, we know from the Bible that they were not above praying to the Lord Jesus to, to see, Lord, do you want us to call down a, a fireball from heaven to consume that guy over there, somebody who had been doing good devil-casting ministry and was for Christ, but was just not part of their local congregation? I mean, that's some chutzpah, right? Well, time has passed, and by the time that John wrote the words that I just read to you here, he was a 90-year-old man. And in, in some ways, in the ways common to a 90-year-old man, he had mellowed out a bit. But I could tell you this. In a certain way, in a very important way, he was as fiery and as thunderous as ever. And he thunders one magnificent point that comes to us from the very end of those verses that we just read, and this is it. Our fellowship with God, our union with God and with one another is fostered by, it is created by, it is sustained by, and it is built by the Christ-centered apostolic teaching in its totality. That which was from the beginning... And in John's Gospel, he's talking about the Word, the Word made flesh. We have seen with our eyes, we have heard with our ears, our hands have touched this one, this Christ, we proclaim to you. We are one with God, and we are one with each other because of, and not apart from being one, with the Christ-centered apostolic teaching that John and James and Paul and every one of the other apostles has laid down. Now, there's two things I want to say at this point. Number one is this. Never forget this. The apostle John, who is Thunderboy, also has another very important nickname here in the New Testament. He is called the Apostle of Love. Let us love one another, he says, for love comes from God. And 49 other times in this very letter, he calls us to love and he uses the word love. And so that's, that's laying something in our hearts and in our minds right here and right now. And I want to say it out loud and I want to say it clear. We are to love one another deeply. We are to love one another like the Lord Jesus loved us. We are to love everybody who walks into these doors as Christ loved them. And, and give them the warmth and, and, the, and the affection that we ourselves have received from the Lord Jesus because people will never care how much we know until they know how much we care, right? People will never open their ears to our teaching until they have sensed that we have opened our hearts to their tears especially true of people who come into our doors with a broken relationship. If you are a guest with us this morning, I want you to know that at Sure Foundation Lutheran Church, you will be loved like nobody's business. 
because this is what, this is how Christ loves us. But the apostle of love is also the apostle of truth, right? And he says, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that, that Christ has come into the flesh. And I write this letter, he says to us, to warn you against who those who would lead you astray. And so as important as it is for us to demonstrate love to each other and to everybody who comes into our midst, the most important thing that we can do, the most important act of love we can demonstrate is to preach the truth, to not back down, not even on any little bit of it that other people might find offensive and that our own sensibilities find offensive. And so thunder, boy, thunder. Thunder is an important point. Something that, that every Christian really needs to have in his heart and mind. Here it is. Ready? Doctrine matters. Teaching matters. What we believe, what we confess, and what we preach matters really finally more than anything else does. This is where there is a lot of confusion in Christendom and, and some teachers teach sloppy on the subject and they're wishy-washy on the subject and they say things that sound good like this. You know, doctrine divides and, and people will know us by our love, not our doctrine, so let's just set aside differences in doctrine and, and maybe work together and worship together and pray together and, and come in, you know, together and have fellowship in areas where we can agree. Now that sounds all nice, doesn't it? That sounds all correct and it sounds all good. Unfortunately, the Apostle Paul in this very letter cries out, thunders one word over all of that. Nonsense. Doctrine doesn't divide. Good doctrine unites. That's the fellowship between us and God and between one, one, uh, us and each other. It is false teaching that divides. It is untruths and half-truths and even mostly true that, that starts to, to peel away and, and, and slip out that string and unravel and break and crack, causing those seamy fissures to start to appear, you know, like those, those cracks in your window that all of a sudden start those weather cracks and it just starts to grow and grow and grow. It is false teaching that does that. And so the call for us is always to hold to our teaching to stand firm out of love for Christ, out of love for souls, and not give one inch to the truth. You ready? Here it comes. What that also means is this. The God-planted garden that he has established with us based on our confession and our practices, like our practice of saying, you are more than welcome to come up and receive the Lord's Supper with us after we have had the opportunity to instruct you. You know what the Lord's Supper is. You know what we believe and teach, and you are in agreement with that. That, that garden that God has established of this fellowship, the sky is the limit about all the trees that we can eat from this garden. I mean, guys... We can worship together, and we can pray together, and we can feast on the body and blood of our Lord Jesus together, and we can go out into the park and do art in the park and other ministries together. We can take our money and put it in the offering plate that comes here, and we can watch as the Lord Jesus takes our cash and turns it into soul-saving ministry based on and founded on the Word of God that we have, that we have here and now. And all God asks is, there's one tree I don't want you to eat from. 
one tree. Don't eat from this one tree. Ready? The tree of ecumenism. The tree that says, for love's sake, let's set doctrine aside. In other words, the only thing in this whole talk of fellowship that God asks us not to do, only one thing, is not to pretend that we are one with somebody when we are not. Whether you understand it, whether you believe it or not, this is, this is most certainly true. When, you, when we worship with somebody, when we pray with somebody, when we commune with somebody, when we carry out mission activities together with somebody, what we are saying in all of those things, just a facet of the same thing that we're saying, we're throwing our arms around them and we're saying, I am one with you in everything that you believe, in everything that you teach, and in everything that you confess. And God says, I want you to say that if it's true. I do not want you to say that if it's not. And that's why the Apostle John also has this to say. Second John. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, hmm, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. He's not talking about hospitality. He's talking about supporting and sharing fellowship with somebody who is not united in their teaching and doctrine. Okay, can you say awkward right now? <laughs> this is not comfortable. But it is the truth. It is the truth. I sense sometimes that Satan has a, a good deal of satisfaction at recognizing our own natural weakness to, to love the truth of his word, to love the souls all around us. And he knows, he knows this, that if it were left in our hands, we would have no fellowship either with God or with one another. Because we, we would just like give up all our teaching. We still want to be unpopular. It's hard it is hard to bear the cross of rejection and be singled out and ridiculed. You know, one time, a uh, personal story here, um, I, I, I spoke the truth, try to be as loving to this man and explain to him our practice of close communion, and afterwards, do you know what he said to me? He said, there is a special place in hell for a man like you. You know what we need right now? We need our risen Lord Jesus to come and be that Sar Shalom. We need him to come and make us whole and mend us and make us strong. Make us strong. Strong in our unity. Strong in our fellowship. Strong in our love for him, for his word, for the souls of each other. And, 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 and he does. Through this word of St. John, he does. You ready? I want to I warm your hearts right now. I want to heal those hearts. I want to make you strong with, with this truth. I just want you to imagine this. So the Apostle John... He, he sees and he hears and he touches. I mean, what, what did this man see? He saw the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He saw, he saw this Son of God stand on a boat, rocked all over by this storm, and hushing a storm by just putting his index finger to, him, to his mouth and saying, shh, you're frightening my disciples. Quiet. He saw the Lord Jesus feed thousands by just merely saying grace over a sack lunch. He saw Jesus dusting off death of a little girl and presenting her alive to her, her daddy once again. 
He heard the Lord Jesus preach these sermons that cast out demons. He heard the Lord Jesus pronounce forgiveness and life and tell a dead person, a dead friend, been in there four days in the grave, come on out, and he, he comes out. He, he may have been one of the disciples in that picture that we just saw who, who, probed, who probed Jesus' spleen with his little finger, you know? What joy! What joy is John? And yet John says, it's not complete. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, his joy is not complete until he has you in that circle. And he does. Because in part through the apostolic writings of John here in the first letter and the gospel, the risen Lord Jesus has appeared to us. And he speaks these two words. Peace! Peace, you are not guilty of any weakness of your past because I am risen indeed and my resurrection is your forgiveness. And he has breathed into you the Holy Spirit. And here you are. Your eyes see. Your ears hear. And by faith, you even touch. You can do something that, that Mary Magdalene couldn't do physically on that Easter morning. You can hold on to Jesus for dear life all your life. All of that because of the word proclaimed to you. Let me just finally encourage you one, in one more way to build our fellowship. Look at the astonishing unity that is established by the word of God. Did you know that among the 12 apostles was a man named Simon the Zealot? You know that he belonged to a, a radical political group that had a hobby of killing tax collectors. Tax collectors like Matthew. But the word of the Lord came and tore down all of those barriers and, and healed the hate and united them so that they were one. That same word has come to you and to me here. Let us hold firmly to it. We're one. We are one with God our Father. We are one with each other. We are one with our brothers and sisters from our Spanish-speaking group, our, our Spanish-speaking worship service. We are one family with God as our Father, the Lord Jesus as our brother, all on the basis of the word of God that was proclaimed to us. We're one. Let there be no daylight between us. I mean not even a centimeter of separation. Yeah? Pastor Tim, let's continue to care for one another, serve one another, and do the best we can to proclaim the truth to make our joy complete. People of God, Please keep coming to hear the messages that your pastors proclaim, the truth, and cheer them for proclaiming the truth. Come and proclaim the truth yourself through the song and through the liturgy. Come with a faithful offering in your pocket, and if the Lord opens up that door with a faithful and dear friend or family member to come and hear the truth. And let this complete joy spill over. Amen.